Thanks for joining us for today's sermon. We are always so encouraged to hear how God is working in your life. If the messages of this church have touched you in some way, please share that with us by clicking on the contact tab at lifesc.org to send us an email. And if you would like to give to this ministry, you can do so online to help us bring messages just like this one to you each week. It is our prayer that God blesses you through this message today. Mark chapter 10 and verse 23. I'm going to jump about midway into a story that's taking place here of a famous story called the rich young man or rich young ruler. Has a lot of a lot of good stuff. He's got his Mercedes Benz and his house in the hills. And um, he's done everything right. Planned right. Scheduled right. Made all the right choices in all the right places. But here he's asking the Lord, what, what should he do to receive eternal life because that is the greater value amen because you can't take it with you when you leave someone just said that to me this morning on the way here but here jesus is talking to him and he's like man i I love you for what you've done but go and sell all you have and give it to the poor and follow me and then we pick up in verse 23 and jesus looked round about and said unto his disciples he's explaining what just took place and he said How hardly shall they that have riches enter into the kingdom of God? Not that you can't be rich and go to heaven. It's just that it's harder because of the stuff in your life. And everything you own requires time and maintenance. And the disciples were astonished at his words. But Jesus answered again and said unto them, Children, how hard is it for them that trust in riches? Everyone say trust in riches. Yeah, 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 yeah. There it is, right there. To enter into the kingdom of God. It's okay to be rich, just where do you put your trust? It is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter into the kingdom of God. What? (laughs) What is that? Okay, Jesus. We love you, Lord. Let's move along because that doesn't make much sense. And they were astonished out of the measure, saying among them, out of measure, saying among themselves, who then can be saved if these guys with their daytimers and their iPads and their schedules and their clerical help, if they can't get it done, then who in the world's going to be saved? The people that know all the answers are not going to make it. How shall we? And Jesus looked upon them. Jesus looking upon them saith, when with man it is impossible, but not with God. For with God, all things are possible. Are you glad about that word right there? With God, all things are possible. I want to preach to you for a little while about significant surrender. You may be seated in the house of the Lord. Bless the hearer and the word in Jesus' name. Everybody said amen. As a boy, I like to play cops and robbers. You ever play that game? We would uh, surround somebody and yell, come out with your hands up. The universal symbol for surrender is both hands in the air. Now, as I've grown up, I realize that my forms of surrender may be different at times, but I still need that same thing in my life. Because sometimes God will say to me, come out with your hands up. And whether you know it or not, 
there's positions and places in each one of our lives where we have guarded ourselves and we have kept ourselves safe through the struggles of life. I don't know that you know my story, but my particular story is one of ups and downs. And finding my way through life, I guarded myself for a long time. I guess it's when I turned 40, Brother Dan, that I just kind of turned on the faucet and I end up crying a little bit every once in a while when I think about the goodness of the Lord. When I think about how he brought me through and how he kept me. And this is not just a suit. This is a person inside this suit that's not empty and devoid of life struggle. For you get there because of the ups and downs, but you learn through all of the hard times as well as the good times. And I want you to know that there's not just a story of success. Anyone you look at or you admire, if you look at the backstory, you find out they had to leave their lights off in the wintertime because they didn't have enough money to pay the bill. You find out they had struggles with a child that they were trying to raise or they had difficulty in a job situation or a partner that pushed them out. You can find out that somewhere in their life there is the yucky stuff, the, the, the nasty stuff. And, and they did not just cave to it. They did not, did not just fall under the pressure of it, but they lifted themselves up somehow and they surrendered to the lesson of the moment and said, I'm going to learn and I'm going to go on and I'm going to be better. Amen, someone. And so sometimes the most significant moments in our life are the moments that we surrender. And I found a story for you. I hope you like it. And I have a stage prop today, an illustration, which we'll get to that in just a minute. But um, if someone could grab me a pen, I would appreciate it. Because I'm going to need to use this in a few minutes. There was a man who had really no name and no job. He lived in New York, and he applied for a desk clerk job, just a simple job, something that would help him pay his bills because he was very down on his luck and very having a very difficult situation in life at the moment. And this was a low point in his life, but he was sitting through the job, and they asked him, can you do this, can you do that? And they asked him to show them, and he showed them what he could do. And he'd been living on the street, but they didn't know that at the time. And they said, well, it looks like you can do the job. What is your email address? And I will contact you whenever we have uh, made the decision, but you look like the one that we'd like to have take the position. And he said, well, I don't have an email address because I don't have a computer. And the person doing the hiring in HR and looked over the desk, he said, well, sir, this is not going to work. If, if you don't have an email in today's age, it's, it's basically like you don't exist. This is a normal form of communication in the world we live in. You, you need to get an email address. He's like, well, then, then I won't be able to take the job. And he walked out hanging his head and very despondent. And as he left, he looked in his wallet and saw he only had $3 left to his name. And so he walked down to the local grocery store and he bought a handful of potatoes, all that he could buy for $3. And with that $3, he walked to the local market and he sold them for a profit. And then he went back to the grocery store and he bought more potatoes with his profit. And then he went back to the market and he did this six times that day. And he went home with not $3, but with $63. Then the next day he got up at 8 a.m. and he did it all over again. And then with the profits from that day, he bought himself a wheelbarrow. 
And then he went back the next morning and he bought more potatoes in the wheelbarrow, took them to the market, sold them again. And that day he had a great day. So he decided the next morning I'll get up at 6 a.m. and I'll get to the market before people start to buy out all the produce. And so then he took his wheelbarrow full of potatoes to the market at 6 a.m. and had a great day. So he bought himself a small cart and assembled it and he called it his potato cart. And then he began to realize that if he got up at 4 a.m., he could get to the grocery store, get his potatoes loaded in his cart, and already be at the market by 6 a.m. opening time. So he took his cart back and forth and began to make a profit. Then, with that money that he made, he bought some vans. And then the overwhelming supply and demand of business brought him to the point of needing to find some trucks. And then he hired some help because he couldn't do it all himself. And he began to run one of the most successful now fresh produce delivery um, companies in the lower Manhattan area in New York, all because he came to a point of complete surrender. Because he was down on his luck and out of options, and he just decided, I'm going to do something better with my life than just sit here and stay where I am. I'm going to do something more than what I've seen in my present day. I I can see in my future there's something greater. So later on, as his life progressed and he became a very successful businessman, he decided to get his retirement assets in order. And so he went before a financial advisor and he sat down with that the lady that was doing the financial advising and he said, I need to make sure my retirement is set up and I need to make sure I have everything I need so that whenever I step away from my business, it can continue to run and I can live on my retirement. And she said, that's great. This is my proposal. This is the prospectus. This is what I see happening with your money. If you deposit this much, you'll be able to live on this much per year. And he's like, well, thank you very much. That all looks good. Let's go ahead and do that. I'll write the check. He had the money to write the check for his retirement. Amen, somebody. That's a good position to be in. And so what he did was he wrote the check and he slid it across the desk and she said, great, I'll get everything set up. Is there an email that I can send your confirmations to? And he said, I'm sorry, I don't have an email address. And she said, well, how in the world did you build such an amazing corporation if you've never had normal communication process like an email address? He said, well, it's just something that I never did. She goes, well, would you... Just imagine what you could have been if you would have had an email address. He said, oh, I know what I would have been if I had an email address. I would have been a desk clerk. (laughs) Sometimes the significant things that happen in your life are painful. Sometimes the greatest thing that happens in your life is where you stop striving and you stop trying and you surrender it to the Lord and say, God, this is not my battle, but it's yours. And the greatest thing that can happen in your life is releasing to God your very little so that he can do a lot with it. And sometimes it takes a significant surrender. You know that every surrender is significant in your life? Because every surrender is a place for God to work. It's a place for God's grace to keep you and to guide you. I know I'm not up here because I'm a good speaker. I'm not up here because I'm a good leader. I'm not up here because I'm an amazing, I'm amazing at doing things. Yeah, I got 20 years in ministry, but that's not why I'm here. I'm here because every time I came to a point where I needed to surrender, I chose surrender over pride. I chose coming before the Lord and saying, God, if it's in your word, I want to live it. If it's in your word, I submit to it and I surrender to it. And I will walk with you, God, by faith, even when I don't see it in my sight. 
It's 100% God that has kept me. It's this unfailing grace that we can do anything, amen? And when you get to that point of understanding that you can stop fighting, you can even turn the other cheek, as the scripture says, you can let God be your victor so that you can be victorious. Why? Because broken things get realigned, amen? Perspectives get changed when you let God work with the broken places of your life. And no longer you do things for recognition because you've been recognized by him, amen? Greatest recognition. So when I turned 40, because of the abuse of my past, I had a stepdad that went to jail for abusing us. He liked to, uh, liked to beat me a little bit, but that's not a big deal because uh, I got real tough. <laughs> I can handle things, right? I can handle all the All-American. I, I got this. I'm, I'm good. But what I found out was I didn't have the capacity to handle pains that would come to life, so I shut down. I put walls up. It was a survival tactic. Don't judge me because of not being able to handle it until I was 40. It was a survival tactic. When someone's constantly coming at you, you find ways to hide things. And so, of course, you're going to build walls to survive. And that's what I did. But I never dealt with the pain that would come to the heart. And I didn't address pains because I felt like it was easier to push them aside and hide them than it was to walk through them. And I want you to know that you can hide things only so long and it will show up at your door, amen? And you will have to deal with it. David didn't deal with Amnon because he felt like he could hide it. He could push it aside. And eventually it cost the life of Amnon. If David would have dealt with it when the pain first came, he would have never lost his son Amnon. But because he didn't deal with it when it first showed up. I want to preach to somebody right now of taking something that may be difficult in your life, a painful thing, and dealing with it right now today. Walk out of this place and go, I'm going to handle this no matter how long it takes. I'm going to put it before the Lord. So Something doesn't happen anymore in my life where I'm blocking or I'm holding or I'm putting up walls or I can't have significant relationships. I'm going to surrender this thing to God and have him help me with it. Amen, somebody. Because if you don't deal with it, eventually it's going to deal with you. And you won't like the result of that. I'd rather take charge of something in a surrender moment and have God take care of it for me than live my life with broken pieces, trying to constantly glue back together what God told me I can have. But I can't deal with the things that won't, that I won't, I can't change my life if I won't deal with the things that I'm trying to hide. Amen, somebody. Is your life saying to God, you can have it all? The way you live your life right now? Because sometimes we talk about sin in church. But watching a football game can be a sin. Did you know that? If you're using it to hide from a pain that God wants you to address. If, if going bowling or going someplace is, is something that you're using to block actually handling what God wants to do in your life and the changes that God wants to make. Because until you get real with him, he can't not anoint you the way he wants to. Because he can only anoint something that's true, amen? He can only anoint something that's authentic. 
And if you live a life just running from things and just going from one thing to the next so that you don't have to deal with it or just leaving the TV on at home just so that there's noise in the house because you don't want to handle the quiet that comes and the problems that come up in your mind that you know you and God could handle them. But if you just keep living your life busy all the time, you never get to the business of taking care of the hurts of the heart. This is not an easy message to preach. Why do I preach these hard messages to you guys? I should just come up here and preach about Noah getting on the boat and all the animals showing up and the big party they had for 40 days and 40 nights and they're releasing doves into the air and there's confetti everywhere. But instead, I try to deal with the things that are in here because out of the heart flows the issues of life. And if I can capture your heart with the word of God for a moment... I can change your future. Could even change eternity, amen? Jacob, I know I'm holding this balloon. You're like, when is he going to get to the illustration? Sometime. So I found out that your heart can only handle so much pain before you pop. <laughs> I don't have a better word for it. Pop seemed to be a good word because I'm using this illustration. But So what happens is when someone says something against you, that pain begins to fill your heart. And, you know, like when Nate says something bad about me, I can use Nate because he's in leadership, which he says bad stuff about me all the time. It's just hurtful. My heart begins to fill up with this pain. And, of course, this should be red because of the heart's normally red, but this is life spring and this is green. And we're representing here, okay? Come on, we're, we've got to sell the brand. Represent. It's a green balloon, all right? This just everybody here that's a member of Life Spring, you suddenly have a green heart. That's just that's how it goes. Just gotta live with it. And then, you know, Reese says something behind my back and I find out about it and all of a sudden it's like there's more pain. And you can either go and post something on Facebook that's absolutely awkward. Oh, go ahead and preach, Pastor. Somebody help me there. You can put your business in places it shouldn't be, talking to a coworker, or you can do what you're supposed to do with pain, and that is you can take it to the Lord and you can release it to Him. And ironically, that's about what it sounds like. Or if you're Reese, taking it to the Lord sounds like this. Oh, no, that didn't work at all. But I never knew how to handle pain. And so pain would come, and I would just stuff it. And then something would happen, and I would try to minister to somebody, and they only wanted to go so far. You know, and I'm like, okay, that's your choice. You're right. But it still hurts. Or I would find out that something changed that I was expecting to be the same and where I put my trust wasn't a good place to put my trust because maybe I put my trust in man. Maybe I put my trust in government. Maybe I put my trust in a place that is not where trust should go because your trust should be placed in the Lord. Oh, I should get some help there. But when that trust got broken, you guys know what comes next, right? You just keep on filling and stuffing and hiding 
and pushing down and you may not even have the ability to have or approach a healing process that helps you. It's funny how much we avoid pain in life, amen? We are people who avoid pain. And I want you to know something today that I cannot possibly stress enough. That if you have pain in your life, it's a gift. And if you have struggle in your life, it is a gift. Because when you surrender that pain to God, that didn't work. Even in the pieces, God can pick it up and God can use it because surrender is actually a seed in your life. And it will grow something so powerful that changes you forever. It will actually lift you to a place where you never thought you could be because if you let God use it, I want you to know that whenever I went through things in my life, I would sit down and I realized this this pain right here that I'm dealing with, this is where God becomes real to me. This is where I cannot hide anymore. I cannot push it aside. I cannot keep it. And see, for someone like me, who's kind of a, a control freak, any control freaks in the house, amen. Yeah, there's a few of you. Amen, you're honest with me. But what happens is whenever you have something that fills your heart so much and then you just explode. So you don't know where that's going to happen. You don't know where that vulnerability is going to come out. And that's, for a control freak, that's really hard to handle, amen? You don't, you don't want others to be inconvenienced by the things that are hurting you. But I want you to know that you can consider yourself lucky when you get to a point where you're pushed, where there's nothing else but God who can answer it. When there's no place else to go. We are American. We're blessed beyond measure. We have so so many great things that we have so many options to choose from when something comes up. But when you get in a place of pain and when you get to dealing with what's been stuffed in your heart and you want to answer those things and you go to God and you surrender them to God and you say, God, you're the only one that can handle this. I'm getting excited, I know, but hear me as I preach because I've had to go through these moments of picking up pieces where things blew apart in my life and I just found out not too long ago that whenever I take it to God when it's small. It can never become something big because it becomes a significant matter when I bury it in surrender and God grows that seed into something that's useful in my life. And from there comes the most purest service and the purest ministry. And when someone asks you, why are you doing what you do? I can say it's not because I chose it, but it's because of what I surrendered to God that he used to help me to help others. Amen, someone. Amen. Avoiding pain is avoiding the greatest gift you can ever have when you're down to nothing. Lucky you. Because that means you can go to God and surrender it to him and make it something significant for your future. Jacob didn't know what to do with Esau. When Esau showed up, he started sticking stuff out front, amen? Put his wives out there, put his gifts out there. He didn't want Esau to kill him because he had betrayed Esau when they were younger. And now we're sitting 10, I think it's about 10 years later, if I remember the history right. And now, so what Jacob thinks he's going to do is I'll offer gifts. I'll put all my stuff out there and I'll put all my, we do the same thing. 
Look at the car I'm driving. Look at the things I'm wearing. Look at the house I live in. We put our stuff out there to impress people, don't we? Amen, somebody. But the truth of the matter is when Jacob went before the Lord, when he crossed the brook and he spent time with God and, a, and an angel of the Lord appeared unto him. They say it's an a theophany, which is God's, God's appearance to a man. He began to wrestle with God because Jacob held on to God harder than he held on to anything else. And that's a lesson for all of us. If there's something you need to surrender and if there's something that gets in the way of your relationship with God, hold on to God first and let go of everything else. Amen, somebody. And so Jacob began to wrestle with the angel and he wrestled to the daybreak and the angel said, let me go for I must leave. And, and he said, I will not let you go until you bless me. I will not let you go until you do something about my situation. I'm going to hold on and I'm going to surrender everything, but I'm not letting go of God. And in the moment that angel touched his thigh and the Bible says that the sinew shortened and he walked away from that situation alive, but he walked away walking a different way. Jacob had a limp for the rest of his life, but when and he crossed the brook and went back to the situation. Guess what? Esau was still there. Guess what? The betrayal was still there. Everything that he left was still the same. But what he did then is he went out and he began to bow down before his brother as his brother approached. The Bible says seven times he bowed himself and surrendered to that situation before his brother got upon him. And his brother's like, what are all these gifts? What are all these things you send out ahead? And he goes, I was just trying to appeal you. I was just trying to change the situation if I could, but I want you to know that in that situation, he was not just coming to Esau as Jacob. Now he was coming to Esau with a changed name. He introduced himself not as the supplanter, the deceiver, that one that lies and cheats, but he introduced himself with his new name that God had given with him, given him because he surrendered everything to God. Problem didn't change, but Jacob did. Now he He's called Israel, and God forever remembers him as Jacob, the one who came from where he came from, but now he's forever changed. God picked up his pieces, amen? And God addressed the pain of his life and forever changed it. Did you know that that one struggle that Jacob had on the other side of that brook changed every generation after him? That one significant moment of surrender forever changed his posterity. And I want you to know that every time you surrender something to God, it's significant. It's significant. You call it what you want. You call it fear. You call it your past. We have many labels, amen? We have many names for it. You call it misunderstanding. You call it lack of acceptance. You call it abuse. Whatever you want to call it, but it's all the same form. It's all different forms of the same thing. It's pain. And it fills your heart, and you have to address it. And I used to always say, I'm tough enough to handle it. Anybody here with me? I'm tough enough to handle this. I can take care of this on my own. But I found out the whole time I was suffering in it. And whenever I forgave, and whenever I released it to God, I had the greatest moments of significance because in that moment of deep surrender, true healing comes. True healing comes. Sometimes I look around the congregation and I tend to look to the same people that are smiling and they're kind of like an amen corner for me. Every time I look at Reese, he's smiling even when I insult him in a sermon. So I tend to look the same ways because I'm looking for acceptance because I was left out of a lot of things when I was younger. 
And so when it looks like that same pain, I can interpret the situation wrong. Have you ever been there? And what I have to do is I have to take it and surrender it to the Lord in order to get a different perspective so that I don't see things from my place of pain. I see things from the place of purpose that God's put in me. When you surrender something to God, you are actually guarding your purpose through God. Whatever God gives you as your purpose, you're guarding it when you surrender things to God. But the truth is, it's not wrong to feel pain, is it? Our bodies are designed to feel pain. You touch a hot stove or get near a hot stove, we have nerve endings that tells us, hey, that's dangerous. Hey, that's going to hurt. Hey, that will damage you. Same thing with the heart. The heart was designed to detect pain and to deal with it and to find a way to grow from it. For those of us that have fears in our life and anxiety, sometimes we lose the anxiety battle because we have a habit of worrying. And that habit has caused things and fears to come up. And I want you to know, if you surrender those fears, that God has not given us the spirit of fear, amen? But of love and of a sound mind or of good judgment. And when God gives us the chance, he says, I know there's temptation in life. I know there's struggle. I know there's a chance for you to worry about all kinds of things. But if you just surrender everything to me, you take the worry load off of your shoulders and you shoulder it off at an altar of prayer or in the word of God and you take a promise. There's a bunch of promises in this word. You need to find a promise that fits your certain situation and you need to significantly surrender that situation to God through that promise. And every time the fear rises, just go ahead and get out that word and speak that promise to you. Just say it over and over again to yourself until your faith starts to rise and you can put your trust in that promise of God and then you'll see God do the work. Amen, somebody. We are blessed people, but the truth is you only have a switch of two things. When something happens to you, you can either be better or you can be bitter. That's what bitterness sounds like to me. When we give God the seed of surrender, he grows a rose from it. When we give God the acorn of surrender, he grows an oak tree. And there's beautiful things that come from Mark chapter 10. I want to finish with this, and I'm hurrying along. So the rich young ruler gives all he has. He says, I've never done these things. I've never committed adultery. I've ne I do not kill. I do not steal in verse 19. If you have your Bibles in Mark 10, he says, I do not bear false witness. I, I defraud not anyone. I honor my father and my mother. And he answered and said unto him, Master, all these things I do. And Jesus is telling him to do all these things. He said, all these things I, have, I do and I have observed from my young days, from my youth in verse 20. And then verse 21, he says, Then Jesus, beholding him, what? Loved him. He was a conscientious man that wanted to do things right. And he wasn't saying that you've done everything wrong. In fact, he looked at him with love. And then he said, okay, you want the next level? I'll give you the next level. You're living on the glory of your successes, but I want to introduce you to a greater glory. 
and that is following Jesus. No matter what your trophy case looks like at home, no matter how great you've been as a person, I want you to know the greater glory is when you significantly surrender your entire life to God and you walk and follow him. That is the greatest glory, is to follow Jesus Christ. I should get a good amen there. Amen. amen. Verse 21, Then Jesus, beholding him, loved him and said unto him, One thing thou lacketh, lacketh, King James Version, gotta love it. Go thy way, sell whatever thou hast, and give to the poor, and thou shalt have treasure in heaven. So there's a stipulation here. He didn't say just give everything to the poor. He said you're giving it to the poor for a reason, so that you can come and follow me. And so helping the poor was very important to God, obviously, but he said, and come, here's your next thing, go and do this, but then, when you've given it all, then take up your cross and follow me. And so the Bible says, and, and he was sad at the saying and went away grieved, for he had great possessions. And then Jesus wants to break it down to his disciples, and so he breaks it down. Amen. Somebody say, break it down. All right, just wake us here, you're awake. How hardly shall they that have riches enter into the kingdom of God? Notice that he's talking about the work of God on the earth as well, not just heaven. He's talking about the kingdom of God that's come to the earth, enter into the ministry of the kingdom of God. Ministry is just a word that means service. And the disciples were astonished, and Jesus begins to explain to them, how hard is it for you to trust in your riches? And then when he said, your trust is in the wrong place when these things happen, he goes on to say, it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle. I don't know what that looks like to you, but this is kind of what I saw whenever I saw the camel in the eye of a needle. Is that what you saw? So I'm thinking. Camel through the eye of a needle, that's pretty much it right there. I don't think that's going to happen. That dromedary doesn't fit. So this doesn't make any sense to me at all, but if you find out in studying that there is a gate in the wall of Jerusalem, and at night they would close the doors and the gates of Jerusalem so that robbers and thieves can come in, and they would have to enter through a gate called the eye of the needle. Now, I don't know if this terminology is just the eye of a needle or eye of the needle, but it makes more sense if Jesus is clarifying what goes on. He's not saying you can't get in. He's saying it's hard to trust in riches, but if you are rich, you can still get into heaven, even with all your stuff that you live with and your comforts that you live with in life. You can still get into the kingdom of God and minister, but the problem is it's as hard as if a camel goes through the eye of a needle. And the eye of the needle is this right here, actually, in Jerusalem. It's a small gate that enters in the side of the city. And in order for them to bring their camels through, they would have to unload all the heavy packs that were on the camel and have the camel get down on his knees and literally drag and push the camel through to get into the city if you came late at night. So Jesus was saying, 
for them to understand what was going on here. He says, this person did so many things right, but his riches was where he trusted. And if you trust in your riches, what happens, it's as hard as if you were to unload a camel that's, that's weighted, an animal that's bearing the weight of the load. Unload all of that, push the camel through, and then carry all the weight through yourself to get into the kingdom of God. This is the reference that he's making. And so if you go to the next verse, the kind of ex next picture, it kind of explains it for us. Next picture. And for a camel to go through the small opening in Jerusalem wall called the eye of the needle, go to the next one. The camel had to be stripped of anything weighing him down and get on his knees and go through. I've already kind of said that. But this is what Jesus is saying right here. He's saying in order for you to be rich and get into the kingdom of God, there are going to be some things that are difficult for you. And then he, they were astonished. Like, well, then who can be saved? Who can get into the kingdom of God? And they actually turned it to salvation. And he, Jesus, looking at them, said, with men, this is impossible. Camel through the eye of a needle, that's almost impossible. It can be done, but it's almost impossible. How many know that camels are obstinate? Anybody know that? Dromedaries are not really amicable animals. They like to spit at you and things like that. I imagine if you get a dromedary on his knees and you start pushing him around, he's not going to be a happy camper. But Jesus said, with man it's impossible, but with God all things are possible. Amen. The rich young ruler was simply asked to surrender all. So I'm asking you, where, where in your life can you have greater surrender because greater glory comes from following Jesus. Amen? Amen. Creation bows to him. Right. In fact, the Bible says that one day every knee shall bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. And I know this, that if one day we will be forced by the overwhelming power of his glory to take a knee and to confess the Lord, then why not do it now? Why not be willing to, if all of creation bows to him, and if every creature bows to him, then so will I. Amen? We need to have that attitude. Jesus surrendered. Jesus, in the Garden of Gethsemane, said, saying, Father, if, not, if thou will be willing, if thou be willing, remove this cup from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but thine be done. Not my will, but thine be done, he prayed in the Garden. Gethsemane is a place where they grew, it was a vineyard where they grew um, grapes for wine and they would have to press them. So Gethsemane is actually a place where Jesus was pressed. And he was so pressed to the point that he actually had what they think is surface petechia. is where the blood vessels in the skin break because of the pressure and the stress. He literally bled drops of blood out of his skin. Then the light there, he decided that he was going to go through with the plan of God. And I want you to know that it wasn't just prophecy. He was not praying as God at that moment. He's praying as 100% man because if God is praying to God, then guess what? One of them's not a God. Amen? 
If Jesus was God in flesh and he prayed, he was doing it as our example that the best thing that you can do to surrender in significant moments of your life is to go to God in prayer and say, God, whatever your will is, not my will, but thine be done. It was an example to us so that we, when we have the hardest moments of our life and the hardest decisions, we need to go to God. Amen, somebody. We need to take it to the Lord in prayer. In the light of the world, was left in darkness to die, but his surrender was not defeat. I want you to know that surrender often feels like defeat, but it's not with God. When it's given to the Lord, it is not defeat. His surrender was, the, was to break the curse of sin, and a billion failures disappeared the day he died on the cross. Isn't that powerful? Look at this. He was not just a man that, that overcame, but he was... God in flesh that died for us. And in doing so, he surrendered and then he was successful to the point of the most significant event on the human calendar is the death of Jesus Christ. It changed the clock, amen? It changed our dating system. His surrender brought him out of the grave and so will mine, amen? So will mine. Look at this. He fulfilled over 300-something prophecies just by walking the earth. But check this out. I'll show this to you real quick. The first, that hidden message that we don't know about is that when you look at the genealogy in Genesis chapter 5 of Adam and Seth and Enosh and, Enosh and Canaan and Mahilalel and all of these other names, Jared and Enoch and Methuselah and Lamech and Noah, if you look at the actual, you guys can put the picture up for me. If you look at the actual meaning of their name, Adam equals man. That's the meaning of his name. And Seth is appointed. They'll get that up in just a minute. I know it's back there. Seth... It was not, oh, I'm sorry. My apologies, I sent it, but that's okay. Adam equals man, and Seth equals appointed, so just listen carefully if you would. And Enosh equals mortal, and Canaan, uh, Canaan equals sorrow, Mahilalel equals ble the blessed God, and Jared, these are all names in the genealogy that are listed in Genesis chapter five. And Jared means the first people, the first men that were named. Jared equals shall come down, and Enoch means teaching, and Methuselah means his death shall bring and Lamech means the despairing and Noah means comfort so if you put together those first names in the Bible it actually reads in a sentence form that says man has appointed mortal sorrow but the blessed God shall come down teaching and his death shall bring the despairing the despairing comfort that's the meaning of those names in the Bible. So not only did Jesus live under significant prophecy, but he also, in his surrender, fulfilled what the meaning of the names of those that were in Genesis 5 means. It's very interesting. I like that song that we sing. It says, I can see your heart in everything you've done, every part designed on a work of, as a work of art called love. I'm... If you gladly choose surrender, so will I. I love that song. There's other songs that are so important to my heart, but I want you to know that as we begin to worship through whatever song we sing, I want you to know that we are actually learning how to surrender. Surrender is not a natural thing. If you walk up to somebody and have them put their hand up and you put their hand, your hand to theirs and you begin to push, they automatically push back. It's a natural thing. We don't surrender naturally, just like we don't have normal gratitude. Have you ever tried to feed a two-year-old, 
Do they have gratitude? No, they don't. They just don't even want to eat. It's just a work. It's an absolute work to try to feed a two-year-old. But I want you to know that even though gratitude is learned, so is surrender. And every time you come to the house of the Lord, whenever you surrender to God with your hands lifted, coming out with your hands up in worship, what we're doing is we're learning to worship and surrender to God. Every time you're here, every time you go through something, you say, you know what? I lift my hands and I surrender it to you, Lord. You're learning and teaching your mind and your heart that the, bless, the best place to handle the pains of life and the struggle of life and the things that I must go through to find gain and hope and do God's purpose is in a moment of surrender. We're learning how to surrender, but if you can learn significant surrender, then you can learn it anywhere, amen? amen. You can learn it in acts of service, you can learn it in showing patience to someone that doesn't deserve it. Listen to me carefully here. You can learn in kindness to those that don't deserve it. You're learning surrender. You can learn it in forgiveness to those that don't return that same favor. Because forgiveness is more about releasing you than it is about them accepting your apology. Amen, somebody. We were not designed to carry unforgiveness in our hearts. I forgive because he forgave me. We learn to surrender every Sunday. Amen? In our worship, we used to sing an old song. I don't know if you know it. I will give you all my worship. Remember that one? I think Darlene Check wrote that right before she got cancer. And then when she came to a worship seminar, I believe it was her, she was saying, you know what? At the deepest moment of my struggle was when I truly found out I was only giving God some of my worship. That was more true. But whenever I lifted my hands when I was going through chemo, there was a moment that I had in me where I was truly giving God all my worship. It's a beautiful thing. And then to go on and write a song like this, if the mountains bow in reverence, so will I. If the oceans roar your greatness, so will I. If everything exists to lift you high, so will I. If the wind goes where you send it, so will I. Even though the sum of all our praises may fall shy, I will surrender to you my highest praise to you, the Lord Most High. Some of the greatest things we see in life are because somebody broke and surrendered. Amen, someone. Would you stand with me? Here's what I want you to remember. This week, as you're going through the week, if you have something and you feel like giving up on it, feel like it's just not working, I feel like giving up, I want you to stop right there and not give up, but actually give it up to the Lord. Because when you do that, God watches. God is looking down. And instead of giving up, when you give it up to him, it's, it just might be the most significant thing that has ever happened in your life. It just might be the thing, the surrender that God was looking for to take you to the next level. You've been fighting the, level on, the devil on this level. God wants to take you to this level. Amen? The greatest moment of spiritual significance came through the seeds planted in surrender. I think that as we finish today, I could 
tell you all kinds of stories, success stories that came from surrender because your success actually is your, surre your surrender to God. But whenever we come here, can we just find some way to not just bring God all of our pieces and all of our leftovers and say, God, do with it what you will. Good luck with that. That's a mess. But could we come to God and, and say, God, I want my heart to stay whole. I want to deal with things as they show up at the gate. I want to approach you with a clean and pure heart. I want to approach you with everything that I am. I want to approach you honestly and openly. I want to give you all that I have. And maybe, maybe you don't need to buy some potatoes today and hit the market just to make it. Maybe you're doing good, driving a nice car, living in a nice house. But we know that it's not the things that we have on the outside that count. It's the things that are on the inside that matter. So would you bow your heads with me and would you just think through your life for a minute? Would you play a scene in your head of places where you've wanted to give up lately? And maybe you're just a very happy person and there's really nothing that you're worried about or concerned about. And that's great. I'm glad that you're doing so well, but for someone here, maybe this message is, maybe just for three of you, maybe someone with a struggle that they don't even want to talk about, maybe they've never brought it up, maybe they've never even said anything to anyone else, maybe there's a private struggle that you're going through today that you'd rather just not talk about, and maybe you've pushed it down for so long that the balloon is full and you just don't know if it's going to pop someplace where you're vulnerable. I pray today that we would release everything to the Lord. That right now I ask God to step into our pain moments and to create something beautiful out of our pain. Because it's in those moments that he does something amazing. Be an amazing God right now, Lord. Just come into somebody's life as I pray. Let your grace be like liquid, Lord God. Just flow into the places of hurt and pain. Heal a heart, Lord Jesus. Set somebody free. I ask it in the name of the Lord that those that are good here today praise, praise God for the blessings. They, they truly know what it's like to surrender things to you because you've made successes out of so many things. But God, there's somebody here today that came in a moment of give up, but I'm praying they leave in a moment of I've given it up to the Lord. I've given it up in a surrender so significant that it changed my future. Somebody needs a change for your children. Somebody here needs a change for your tomorrow. It can happen right now. You may think this is just the closing of another sermon, but I want you to know this moment is extremely significant for you. If you need to leave by all means, feel free to go. But I want to open this altar for someone that's going to make this altar call significant in your life by a surrender moment. And I asked them to put some white flags out, but they're going to bring them and lay them on the altar. And as you come to this altar today, I want you to take one of these white flags and I want to stick it. I don't know where you want to put it, but stick it someplace prominent, maybe in a Bible that you read or maybe in some place that you have in your home that you, that you see regularly or on a shelf somewhere that has maybe some things that have value to you. 
but I want this white flag, flag to represent this, this moment of, of surrender to represent that you're waving to the Lord that you deserve my surrender because you surrendered to my sin and suffered my pain for me. Great is the Lord and greatly to be praised today. As they sing today, would you bring your white flag if you have it? And would you just stand before the Lord in whatever situation you're surrendering, just give it up to him today. In Jesus' name.